The New York Liberty did get revenge against the Atlanta Dream, but then what happened against Minnesota? And the New York Liberty will have to figure out the LA Sparks once again coming up this week. All that and more on this episode of Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans. Hey, women's basketball fans, welcome to Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans brought to you by Black Rosie Media and hosted by Erica L. Ayala. Welcome to another episode of Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans. I am here with Brian Florentin, the Renaissance tour man himself, <laughs> Eric L. Ayala, your host here and founder of Black Rosie Media. But Brian, before we talk about New York Liberty, let's talk a little Beyonce. You got to catch up with the Renaissance tour. How was that? Yes, I was there last night. So we got there three hours early. Like I saw people like, like they got there a little bit late. No, mm -mm. get there early. We were inside. It, it, it rained apparently, but we were inside in a mall before the concert. So we, we missed the rain. We, we got all the, we got all the show. I got, um, hold up. I'm glad I have this next to me. I got some merch, got some, okay. got some shirts. Like Let's had to go. make sure to really take in the full experience it was amazing like she could have she could have easily went another hour and i'd have been i'd have been happy i'd, I'd have stayed there till 3 a.m if I, if I had my if i had my way i love that i'm very happy for you glad that you missed the rain and had a good time uh but you know i don't know if it was a renaissance but definitely maybe two teams looking for a little revenge and we talked about that on our last episode of Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans as part of Black Rosie Media. So let's just hop in, Brian. We're gonna talk about the game earlier last week. That was the New York Liberty. They were hosting the Atlanta Dream on Thursday, July 27th. Now they did get the win. And it seems, Brian, that you are not the only person that noticed Ryan Howard's July 27th tweet. Talk to us about this win. So um, after the game, I, I didn't see it in press. Well, in, in press in post game, Stewie said Atlanta had July 27th circled on the calendar, but we, we did too. So that was the first thing I caught. And then I saw a Twitter video after, like when the players started celebrating after the win, Stewie was mockingly saying July 27th. And then JJ in the background was like, July 20 what? And I'm like, oh, they really had it locked down and ready for this one, which I loved. And to make it all better, the social media team had their fun and they, they retweeted the original July 27 tweet, which I thought was a 10 out of 10. And then they brought up they, they had they had the, they had the graphic with a Drake lyric attached to it, which was even better, which I loved. Like I love when teams get to have fun a little bit, just like like polite fun. Like nothing to sort of like mean. It's, it was great. I loved it. And I think for the game itself, it showed what the Liberty can look like when they're fully dialed in. Like one of the big things that carried across three wins is that they're a lot bigger than Atlanta. Even without Dulce Nahan, they muscled Atlanta all night long. Like they pounded them in the paint. They locked them down. They kept Atlanta stagnant on offense. And even when Atlanta went on a mini run to get it kind of close, they, they just hit the Bonacci. Laney button and that was that like Laney <laughs> was 
was, I think, the MVP of the game. Like we talked about her last week about how how valuable Laney is to the team, and she kept helped helped hold Ryan Howard to four for seventeen. Had her like a had had her as a complete non-factor in the game, and then hit bucket after bucket in the fourth quarter, just to like really keep Atlanta down for the count for good. So that was, I thought, a fascinating game. Like they really came, they they came locked in. They were prepared to hold to really hold it down, and they jumped out the gate fast. Like they, I think they were up like nineteen to two in the first quarter, something wild, and they just really sort of like established that dominance early and never let up really. Yes, and you ended where I wanted to pick up, which of course is our lead change chart or our game chart. And we're going to flash it up here for those watching on YouTube. For those listening on audio, I'll, I'll talk you through it. But there was absolutely no lead ever for the Atlanta Dream. You can see on the graphic that we have up on the screen that, yes, the New York Liberty dominated the lead tracker. Now, here's another thing I thought was really interesting, Brian, because we also see that the New York Liberty starters outscored Atlanta starters 84 to 50, but Atlanta's bench outscored the Liberty bench 34 to 11. Mm. So that's something just to keep in mind as we not only talk about the rest of the games this week, because there were two more games, but also going into next week a little bit later on the show. You mentioned rebounding. We've talked about rebounding. It was a big topic on the national broadcast for Sunday's game, which again, we'll get into, but the New York Liberty rebounded uh, 30 uh, to 21 or won the rebound battle 30 to 21 outright there. Um, Brianna Stewart, another 30 plus point game. She had 33 points. Alicia Gray or Alicia Gray had uh, 25 points rebounding. John Quell Jones once again hit double digits, but it was what you talked about. And Ryan Howard even had a little bit of fun with some of the tweets that were going around. And, you know, she said she has to be better. She responded to the New York Liberty tweet said, you know, effectively it's all good fun. You know, when you dish stuff out, sometimes it comes back to you. And like you said, I, I, I don't think Ryan Howard took it any kind of way, or even if she did, it's becoming now just you know, locker room, poster board material, whiteboard material. But she was held to 10 points, as was Cheyenne Parker. We already mentioned Gray dropped 25. Ari McDonald also with 18 points. But um, again, Banaja Laney coming through. You mentioned how she played Ryan Howard, but had 14 points. The second uh, highest scorer after um, Brianna Stewart, though, was John Quell Jones with 19. So we talked about John Quell Jones. It seems to be a, 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 a theme where a lot of people are talking about her ups and downs, but Jones seems to be settling in. So that's the good news. Now, we also talked about this, Brian, last episode, that this was the first back-to-back. Now, it was um, effectively, you know, they weren't, they weren't, they didn't have to go anywhere, but still a back-to-back. And we also saw that the next game against the Minnesota Lynx, Courtney Vandersloot did not play due to rest. And it's a Minnesota Lynx team that early on in the season, didn't really look like they were going to do much of anything, but has started to climb their way back into playoff contention. Again, the top eight teams in the WNBA make the playoffs. What did we see in the second game of that back-to-back as the New York Liberty hosted the Minnesota Lynx? Yeah, 
I I walked away from Friday's game and today's Minnesota Lynx game, but wildly impressed with this team. They they are so su- they surprised the heck out of me. I'm almost speechless to say, like, because when the Liberty got up 15-5, I was off covering something. I'm like, ah, they'll they'll get these they'll get these dudes out of here. But then after Minnesota took that initial timeout, it's like they just it's like a switch flipped, and they were really up in the Liberty's grill. They made shots hard for them. They won the rebounding battle, which was the first time in a while that the Liberty had lost the rebounding battle. So they were able to sort of like establish that physical presence. Dorka, the, the young center, was fantastic. Diamond Miller, who we talked about a few days ago, was Both excellent. And Both of them have been playing so well mm-hmm. for Minnesota as of late. I mean, it has really been fantastic mm-hmm. that Minnesota is getting those performances from their younger players, which I think then opens up things for some of their other players. And we have to remember just to, uh, I just got so excited to talk about their young talent for uh, the Lynx, but also they're doing this without Nafisa Collier, who has, um, I believe it's a, effectively like a, an ankle injury. Turn, turn the Jets on and got it down to as close as one. And then Diamond Miller hit a three with like two minutes left. That sort of sealed the game. And just that, that for a young team to withstand a flurry from the Liberty like that, because we've seen teams crumble when the Liberty hit them with big runs, like teams just sort of quake. But Minnesota was able to withstand that and finish the game strong on the road and with a, with a crowd that was fully turned up and locked into the game. I thought that was incredibly impressive for Minnesota. And for the Liberty side, it was a situation where it's, it was a little bit of the, of the back-to-back fatigue where fourth game in the week, second second shade game you know having to expend all that energy to make it all the way back in i think it started to catch up to them late and i think not having vanderslute around and combined with the off johannes game sort of like left the offense sort of like in a lurch outside of sabrina Inescu, who heated up from deep but otherwise i think it's a game where i feel once once you start strong it's like you even when you're tidy you gotta sort of figure out how to power through regardless to try to get to the finish line but I think there's still something to learn from them for the group is that you guys, you have to maintain that, that presence on the interior. You can't sort of like let up even for a little bit because teams can catch you slipping even for like half a second. And then that's all it takes. So I think that's something that the team sort of emphasized and expressed in post game. And I think something that they'll try to stick to mind going forward. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I go back and forth, Brian, regarding how much we need to quote unquote worry about the New York Liberty when they do have these games like this. And we'll talk about another one. Again, the, the New York Liberty played three games. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about them getting a lead, but are they able to maintain the lead? Um, but something interesting, because I know we've talked about this before, we are, I, hope I can speak for you here, but I'm pretty confident we're card carrying members of the MJ23 club. Like we are fans of Maureen Johannes and her game. That being said, um, we have noticed that similar to John Quell Jones, we've talked about both of these players a lot and that their temperament or how they um, handle their own self critical voice is how I would explain it, is a little bit different, I think, than some of their other teammates. And sometimes they need a little bit of support to kind of get out of their own head. And both have said that throughout the season. Um, But the reason I'm bringing that up is because you mentioned Marine had a little bit of an off game. We know JJ, especially on the the rebound, um, has been in her bag. 
but I saw a comment on one of our on one of our episodes on YouTube and someone mentioning, which I thought was really funny knowing the history of the New York Liberty, but they mentioned that we need more guards to penetrate and slash through the paint. And I thought that was a very interesting comment because a couple of years ago, like the last few seasons of Bill Yam Bill Yambier, Bill Lambier's tenure, I feel like all we had were guards that were slashing and cutting, right? And we were not as effective with guards who could shoot from the perimeter. Now I think we have a, a pretty solid mix, but I would still argue that while Marine Johannes can be a guard that that penetrates it's more so a way to open up the defense for her teammates as opposed to her being able to take the ball hard to the paint. There's a difference. There's a way of finessing and, you know, being like a hot knife through butter, which Marine Johannes has in spades. But then there's the strategic taking contact, being, as I like to say about Courtney Vandersloot, a little bit slippery at times. And we've also talked about Sabrina Ionescu. I think she's quicker than I sometimes remember, but her first step is not as great as Marines and certainly not as great as Courtney Vandersloot's. So I'm wondering if you think that the, the guards that were activated for the New York Liberty, what would you like to see from them, given that, just that we know that this is a team, the New York Liberty, that can shoot from the perimeter, but do you think the guards are doing enough to kind of get, especially the post defenders, a little bit off kilter and make more space for their own post players? Yeah, I think that the team can sort of can can stand to get in the paint a even more than they do already. Without Vandersloot, Sandy mentioned that they would sort of, it was almost like the word, the, I guess the word of the press conference on Friday was trigger happy, where like they didn't really move the ball as well as they needed to, as we usually do see with them. And then it lets a lot of like contested perimeter jumpers. And I think that, that's where Vanessa's absence played a role because she's always someone, there are like maybe three or four plays a game where she just gets a wide open layup to the basket off a handoff. And I'm like, oh, wow, there's Sloop getting a wide open layup again. So not having that was really sort of like missing for the team. And with Sloop, she can drive and finish at the rim, but also she has such great court vision that she can always like spot Elaney in the corner, Stewie in the corner, JJ in the corner. So having that ability to penetrate the defense and, and sort of create open looks for her teammates in the perimeter is a nice plus one. But when you're able to get to the basket and finish over traffic, that's where that's where the money is for this team. So I yes. think as they continue on, just sort of continuing to attack the paint, be relentless in that regard. Um, Laney during the week talked about how defenses were closing out more on her at the three-point line. So what did she do naturally? Took it to the basket, finished over defenders, finished in traffic, did all of that. So I think for the Liberty, just always remembering that the threes are going to be there no matter what. Like they, they, they take a bunch, they make a bunch, and players like Inescu can bend the defense from practically half court. So those shots are always going to be there whenever they need to dial it up. But when they're at their peak is when they're able to really sort of like wear teams out on the interior and get out on the run. Yeah, for sure. No, I appreciate you weighing in on that. Uh, always going to go to my handy dandy uh, chart here, but I think you can see just, I mean, the, the chart here for this Minnesota game, as you mentioned, starting off 
hot starting off early for the New York Liberty and then just total domination by the Minnesota Lynx. And I mean, you love to see it for the Lynx, maybe not so much if you're rooting for the New York Liberty, but I mean, again, um, Kayla McBride was an issue. I mean, really saw fired up Kayla McBride um, as of late for this Minnesota team. I, I think honestly, it was a little bit of the New York Liberty not doing some of the things, Brian, that you just mentioned and the, the Minnesota Lynx um, being able to start to find their groove and find their game. And so the Liberty caught the Lynx at a time where they had to play their top game. And so you mix that with the fact that, again, the New York Liberty have this super team slapped uh, across their, their forehead, you know, at least in media. And so what does that mean? Every other team is going to want to chip away at that armor. And I effectively think that's what happened here. Now, I don't think it's anything that we have to get worked up about. I know there are a lot of people who don't like the that the New York Liberty are considered a super team. I mean, some players and the head coach of the New York Liberty included. But when you have that, whether it's right or wrong, you know, proven or unproven, you're going to get everyone's best game. And we saw that Minnesota, um, you know, they really were able to, they uh, outperformed the bench, outperformed um, the New York Liberty bench 14 to 5 once again, the rebounds were about even. Uh, the turnovers overall continue to be a little bit of an issue for the New York Liberty, but they also turned over Minnesota 14 times for, um, you know, you know, so I, I still want to see the New York Liberty be able to tighten up when it comes to possessing the ball and protecting the ball. Um, but that was the Minnesota game. So that brings us to LA on the road. We talked about this last week, Brian, now the New York Liberty are going to get to stay in the LA area because they have effectively um, not back-to-back -back games, but it's the same opponent, same arena. And they will be at crypto.com arena center. Who knows what it's called? Something. That stadium in downtown LA, they'll be playing there <laughs> um, this coming week. But we once again saw the New York Liberty get a really early start, but perhaps um, lose sight of being able to close out the game strong. Um, so this was, oh, I didn't mention the score for the Lynx game, just real quick. That was an 88-83 win for Minnesota over the New York Liberty. But on Sunday, the New York Liberty were able to get an 87-79 win over the Sparks. But, um, you know, what did you see from, from this game? Uh, we see De'Erica Hamby had 21 points coming off of the bench for L.A. And Jordan Canada with another 17. Overall, once again, you saw Brianna Stewart be the top scorer for the New York Liberty with 25 points. And um, then you had Maureen Johannes with 15. So I really like that bounce back for Maureen. But what were some of your takeaways, Brian? I thought that the defense in the first quarter was scary good. Like, it went on, I believe, a 19-0 run, and they held the Sparks to, like, the, I think the broadcast said they missed 12 straight shots. So you saw what happens when the defense is fully flying all over the court. Like, you know, there was, like, one play. I think Canada drove to the basket. Still, we just sent that thing right out of bounds. JJ was really a presence on the inside. I think even Yanescu had a block on the perimeter. Like, they were flying all over the court. 
Motorsport, and they made everything impossible. Because with the Sparks, NECA is the engine of their offense, and the Liberty were really able to make her a non-factor by and large, which is really hard to do considering she's having the best season of her career. So we saw what happens when the defense is really dialed in in that fashion. They had the Sparks in a vice grip that whole time. And even when L.A. started to sort of, sort of wake up a little bit, but turned the Jets right back on and got that lead right back up to like 20 plus as soon as you knew it. And I think what also that stemmed from the great ball movement. We talked about M.A. And one thing about M.J. is she can make tough shots. But if you if you get her easy baskets, they're practically automatic with the way she's back to where she is now. So a lot of the great ball movement got her wide open, clean looks at the basket and it made life easy for her. And then in the second half, J.J. really started to, to put her input on the game on the offensive end. On board, she was incredible. There was, I want to say for like the first like 29 minutes of the game, J.J. had more rebounds individually than L.A. did as a team combined. So I think that just shows where the team is when it comes to rebounding. Like when they win, they they own the boards. J.J. is like, nothing gets through and you're not grabbing anything when she's around. So I think that seeing her be able to have that presence on the interior, pop out, hit some jump shots, hit some threes, really be that extra option is a great thing. And one that the, the team has really been leaning into more since the Dallas lost a couple weeks ago. So I think that was another great thing to continue. They, they sometimes let go of the rope a little bit, which is a result of them turning the ball over. When LA went on that run, New York just sort of like they started getting sloppy, just you know, bad turnovers, a few rush shots. And then that's where that's I think that's where the sort of like I think there's a natural letdown throughout a game if you get up by like 22, 23, 24 points. And sometimes teams can sort of especially with the proclivity of the, of the three-pointer you can just get on a quick on a quick spurt and then you're right back in it and then the home crowd is giving you that extra bit of burst of energy as well too so i think that combined with the liberty's turnovers sort of like got the sparks all the way back in but one thing about the team is that when they do let up leads and it gets close they're able to sort of like center themselves and then deliver the knockout blow which Ginescu did when LA got it down to seven she hit a three on the wing that just sort of like locked it up officially made it so that way the sparks were not going to get back into it so I think that it's something where actually I think it's a great quality to be able to withstand a flurry from the opponent and still come out on top I think it speaks to the sort of perseverance and grit of this team which I think will serve them well in higher stakes games coming down the line especially on the road just being able to withstand teams best runs and still come out strong but in, in a perfect world you want to like you know it's Los Angeles you want to win big go outside walk down Sunset Boulevard take pictures and then go back home so if you can win by like 25 and, and get home earlier that's that's the perfect board but in this one take the win keep building that toughness and then prepare for tuesday night yes indeed they will see the same opponent again that was a 87 79 win for the new york liberty on sunday the lead tracker all new york liberty there were no leads for the Sparks, but to your point, when you were up 20, the biggest lead for the New York Liberty was 27, and then you start to see that lead chip away. You know, uh, you, you kind of wonder what's going on here, but all of the work had been done. And so I think there's a little bit of temper 
honoring expectation versus the New York Liberty also just being able to manage the flow of a game perhaps a little bit because I do wonder, this is an LA Sparks team that has the injury bug and like literal viral kind of bugs have been hitting this team really hard, but they still had a pun intended spark to them. And these are the kinds of teams that once they start reestablishing their roster, um, getting some confidence for some of their young players, these are not the kind of teams that I want this New York Liberty team to be facing down the wire either at the end of the regular season or in the playoffs, because that's at least as of what we know from this New York Liberty team right now, I think all of the ingredients are on the countertop and sometimes a little too much salt, sometimes not enough salt for this team. And they just have to figure out the balance and make sure that they are complementing each other. And um, so that's the challenge right now for the New York Liberty, but that's going to be ongoing Although they do have that super team tag, they are the super team that is having to learn chemistry on the fly. So an interesting game for sure here, just to be uh, consistent, take you back over, pop it up on the screen here, but take you back over to the lead tracker. Love that the New York, or love that the WNBA, excuse me, is giving us advanced data. So why not use it? You see that the, the starters here for the New York Liberty were able to really get things done. The bench um, came with another 20 points, but once again, outscored. The bench was outscored by their opponent. That's the third consecutive game. Also out-rebounded overall. So I'm very curious to see what we're going to start getting from the bench. That has to be something that's activated. We talked about it a little bit last show, Brian, but we have seen Jocelyn Willoughby activated a little bit more. Um, so I think that's just going to come with some consistency, but sooner rather than later, you want to get the New York Liberty reserves feeling confident, feeling comfortable, and absolutely knowing, not just knowing their role, but owning their role because they're going to be, they will make or break. Mark my words right now, they will make or break a New York Liberty postseason run, the bench. And not necessarily that you need a player like a De'Arica Hamby right to come off the bench and get a 20 spot every single game. I'm not saying we won't take it, but what I'm saying is they need to make the right plays at the right time. We've talked about this a few times, Brian, and I think that's another thing that Sandy Brundello is going to have to start building up, which leads me to a question. So we have the same opponent back-to-back. Brianna Stewart is solid for what? Uh, what is she even averaging? I Just off of my, my memory and eye test, I'm saying she's probably averaging about 25 points a game, um, somewhere in that range. She's hit 30-plus multiple times already this season. We saw Courtney Vandersloot get rest. We've seen JJ out with injury early on and you know just reacclimating herself. We've seen Sabrina Ionescu out with a little bit of a hamstring bug, took some games off. But do, do we need Stewie to have rest? I mean, and maybe this is a question for Stewie. We'll have to catch up with her. But, Brian, I'm going to ask you, are you concerned that we have been effectively riding Brianna Stewart, especially offensively, or do you think 
that Stewie's good and she just needs to get all these reps in before the playoffs. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think earlier on I was more concerned because there there were stretches early in the season where she was playing 37 like every night and the team has started to sort of dial it back a little bit with her when it comes to that, which I think is great, which I think has also, interestingly enough, has has seen Jocelyn Willoughby get more minutes in the rotation, which gives the Liberty more switchability on defense. Like we've mm-hmm. seen Sandy roll out uh, JJ Willoughby, Laney, and Thornton for some, and it's been working well. So I think they'll, I think they'll go to that a little bit more, just to buy Stewie a little bit more rest, sort of keep her minutes in like the 31, 32, or preferably 30 if you can. That way, you 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 empower the bench. Trust Willoughby to keep making good plays on defense, and if JJ is still on big, have the offense run through her. So I think that it'll be great just to sort of get her more pockets of rest every so often. Or if you get out to these huge leads, keep them up. You have you have Stewie playing stress free minutes. So yeah. if if she's playing like a thirty two, where you're 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 comfortably up by like seventeen points. She's not having to sort of like burn maximum energy, just sort of like preserve a lead or get Liberty back in, just making sure that she's able to get her reps in, keep building that chemistry and keep her safe in that regard is very valuable. But I think if the Liberty are able to hold off the sun enough to keep that two seed, we might see them give her a little bit more rest down the line. I think mm-hmm. once they lock up that positioning, probably like in towards the end of August, early September, if they're if they're in if they're far enough ahead of Connecticut, that might be the avenue to sort of cut her minutes down a little bit more. Just make sure she's not sitting out completely, but, but keeping her minutes in the twenties if you can. So that way you can gear up for like a big playoff run where I think we can expect the team to sort of like ride their ace to like 37 minutes a night, which I think would make more sense then. But for now, just continuing to, to get those reps in, having Stewie on the court sort of like draw all the attention and then being able to sort of fling the ball all over the place to make sure you get good looks for everybody else. I think her presence, even if she's not the focal point of the offense in a particular moment, allows for such confidence and, and comfort for everyone else. It makes sense to almost have her as a decoy, for lack of a better term. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And I was close. She's averaging just a hair, just a scotch over 23 points per game. But the mm. minutes, to your point, yes, are up there. She's averaging right now 34 minutes per game, which she has not done, Brian, since her rookie year in 2016 for Seattle. She averaged 34.7 points her rookie season. And she's averaging right now for the New York Liberty in 25 games, she's averaging 34.2 minutes. So interesting. We'll have to keep up with that for sure. But um, we'll see what happens with Stewie as they take on Stewart and the New York Liberty will take on the Sparks. Once again, I want to go to the standings because we talked about Minnesota being on a roll and they didn't stop just with the New York Liberty. So, you know, now they handed the Connecticut Sun a, a, a loss, 87-83 on Sunday. That's, uh, that's wrapped and final. 
So the the Connecticut team also caught a very lightning hot Minnesota Lynx team. But to your point, the standings pretty tight. Las Vegas is still, um, you know, they have the the highest winning percentage at basically a nine. Uh, 900. They are 22 and two. The New York Liberty are now 19 and six. Um, so about a 75% win percentage and the Connecticut uh, sun right behind them at 18 and seven with a 72% winning um, percentage here. Now the New York Liberty, we know already won out for the commissioner's cup and they will see the Las Vegas aces um, for the commissioner's cup championship on august 15th but we will get to see that matchup once again before the commissioner's cup in the regular season as the new york liberty will host the las vegas aces but again they have a pretty pretty interesting schedule so we have mentioned it a few times brian they will take on the sparks that's going to be in a 10 p.m game on Tuesday night. So make sure you get your nap in the middle of the day. Then the New York Liberty will take on once again, the Minnesota Lynx. That's going to be on the road. So they're going to be making their way back from the East coast. And that's going to be on Friday at 8 PM Eastern. That's on ION as part of the Friday lineup. Once again, for the, the New York Liberty. And then on ABC, at 3 p.m. Eastern time, the New York Liberty return to Barclays Center where they will be met by the Las Vegas Aces. Now, travel might be a little bit of a factor. We did hear from Sabrina Ionescu, though, um, on Sunday's game that they know about the travel schedule. Obviously, they are having to, they are beholden to that schedule, but they are, were not using travel as an excuse for the game against the Sparks. And I would imagine if you ask Sabrina that same question leading up to Sunday's game, where they're traveling back now to New York, she'll say the same thing. Now, Brian, I think it's fair to say that a lot of people around women's basketball or just basketball overall have that Sunday game circled. But I wanna ask you this question, Given that they're going to play the Sparks and they're going to play the Lynx, the last two teams that they played, what would you like to see the New York Liberty squad do now that they can put in some work and refine some things against two teams that they just played in order to get ready for Las Vegas? What will, what will be a good indication for you that the New York Liberty are focused and ready to give their A game on Sunday? I would say keeping the turnovers down. Like when the Liberty go bad is when they cough the ball up, they rush. So I think if the Liberty are able to sort of take their time, run their offense like they normally do, they'll be fine and ready to go for Sunday. But if they're rushing in the stuff, if they're trying to make home run plays every possession down, they're going to get in trouble. And against a team like Vegas, if you do that, you are cooked. So they're going to need to make sure that they take their time on offense. Don't, don't, don't speed themselves up if they don't have to. And then just sort of run your stuff and be confident in what you're doing and trust that you're making the right play and not to overthink. Like we talked about MJ sort of like being, I guess, temperamental in a sense in, in post game, she mentioned that sometimes she overthinks and it's something that, which is natural. I think we all do it sometimes too, but you have to remember not to sort of 
put too much pressure on your shoulders. Just trust that what you're doing is right and that you know that your skills can take you down the right path. So not to overthink, trust that that the offense and the strategy is working well, and then make sure you don't make any unnecessary unforced errors. I think if they do that, they'll be able to really sort of like have a great chance to win. And I think also what helps the team now as compared to when we saw them in June against Vegas is that JJ is more activated and fully like dialed in. And for Vegas without Candace Parker, if the Liberty are able to sort of like wear down Kia Stokes, possibly get her in the foul trouble, Vegas would have to play Asia at center, which opens up some stuff for Stewie on the other side if you're able to sort of like mix and match and things like that. So if they're able to sort of pound the inside, really own the own the boards and own the locals, that's going to be where they can really set the tone and really establish that they're like right. If they're not at where Vegas is at, they're like a half a step below. If they do that, I think they'll win and they'll really sort of like remind people that this is an excellent club and not one to be trifled with. I love that. You mentioned two of the things that I was going to also address. Continuing that streak of, I believe now JJ is at six games where she's had 10 or more rebounds. Need that to continue. We've been talking about that for weeks now, Brian. And because we see it, it, we see the results when JJ is aggressive in the paint offensively and defensively. And I think also John Quell Jones, if I want to add a little bit of a wrinkle to that, I think we know that John Quell Jones, I would argue right now, if you were to take John Quell Jones versus an Asia Wilson, you're, you, you have to really play JJ honestly on the perimeter because we know she can make that shot. We know Asia can as well. So I don't need nobody coming in my, my mentions. I'm not throwing but, but listen, I, if I, nine times out of 10, I would go with JJ to take that perimeter shot over Asia from the arc. That's just me. I'm, I'm just calling it like I call it. But you know why? Because the Aces don't need necessarily Asia to shoot from there. The reason it's effective when JJ shoots from the perimeter, when Stewie shoots from the perimeter, is because then you literally have a five-out situation where everyone, all five players on the Liberty at any given time can effectively shoot from three and with a hand in their face or on their on the top of their head like MJ. So that's something that we need for not just JJ, but for the whole team to really do is to try and draw out um, the aces because I think the aces are a team. And I like that you talked about controlling pace or I kind of, I, I, I remixed what you said a little bit to be about controlling the pace of the game because the aces can run. The aces, that's all they do is run. And they like playing that quick transition game. And what did Sandy say to us after Sunday's game is that she felt transition or defense in transition, as well as the turnovers, Brian, are two of the main things that even in that win over the Sparks, she felt her team needs to work on. And we got to be real, Brian. Those are not things that are unique to just playing the Sparks. Those are bugaboos for the season. So the question that I asked you, since we're playing two opponents and we have direct metrics that we can measure from game to game, I wanna see the New York Liberty really take a look at their turnovers and take a look at their transition game, both 
as they're getting up offensively and to Sandy's point, getting back defensively. And I think if they can really harness that power leading into Sunday, it will be in a really good position to, as you said, prove that um, they are the type of team that is in, in that conversation um, with the Vegas Aces. Another thing, and we might have to get into this on our next episode, but I am very curious to hear, and I'm going to maybe ask these questions because I'm expected to be in New York, so we should be able to do our next episode of Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans in person, which I'm so excited for. We get to officially meet and not just via our internet connection. um, I'm excited because I think I want to dive in, Brian, for next week into which team do we think is better suited to start and stop at the top of the table and which team is a little bit, uh, I've been watching a lot of cooking shows. So which team do we think needs to bubble up and really collect all that, those juices to be its best? What do we think suits the New York Liberty more having to start, uh, you know, getting out early and just going with it? Or are they a team that kind of needs to go with the ebbs and flows, feel a little little bit of the hits and then build on that. So they're playing their best basketball down the wire to be determined to be discussed, Brian. But as always, thank you so much for joining me here on gotta get up a podcast for New York Liberty fans part of Black Rosie Media. But Brian, we know that, uh, you know, we're not going to break your soul here. We're going to let you know <laughs> Beyonce high for the rest of the weekend. So we're going to keep keep it moving here. But Brian, let the folks know uh, what you got coming down the pike and what they can expect from you. <laughs> yes. Um, this week, we have a story. Uh, speaking of JJ, we'll, we'll have a story about her progress and her improvement. We have it's really exciting. We have some other stuff coming down the line too, and then keeping up with the team throughout the week. Fantastic! And like I said, I uh, plan to be in Brooklyn uh, leading up to and certainly after the big matchup, August sixth. Circle it on ABC. Everybody gonna be out here. So uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see. We definitely will. There will be lots of fodder, I'm sure. But more importantly, we'll be able to have more data analytics to really figure out where these two air quotes super teams are at this point in the season because we're already past the halfway point. I mean, it's 40 games each team and we're already rolling. A lot of teams are up to 23, 25 games. So, you know, it's starting to get down to the wire. Things are going to get serious real quick. Um, So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens. But for Brian Florentin, I am Erica L. Ayala, and you have been listening to Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans. We'll catch you next week, everybody.